0: Hi there, this is the Rev. Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is Love to Tell the Story. It was a dark and stormy night, or at least a very cold one, late one November evening years ago, back when I was still a student pastor in Maine. You see, I'd been driving north on I-95, heading home after a long day of classes at the seminary, and I'd just pulled in to a rest stop off the highway. And I'd no sooner stopped the car when there was this banging on the passenger seat window of my car and a sound of a voice urgently yelling, Hey! Hey! You! Could you help me? Please! Please! I need your help! Now that alone pretty much jumped me out of my socks, But when I leaned over to roll down the window, that was back when you had to roll down windows, that's when I really got scared. For staring me in the face was this huge man who I can best describe to you as disheveled, more than a little bit haggard in his appearance and, well, kind of scraggly looking. And as I quickly peered beyond him into the darkness, I could make out the shape of a rather scraggly, broken-down van filled with something of a scraggly-looking family. And now this scraggly man was leaning into my car in a very imposing fashion. He was close enough that I could see and smell his breath, so he is quite literally in my face. And he's telling me about he and his family were stranded out there in the middle of nowhere, and it was getting cold, and could I please give him a ride to the nearest mechanic? Now, I'm not proud of this, but I have to confess here at this point that I'm already trying to figure out how I'm going to get away from there. Though in my own defense, it was an uncomfortable situation, and I didn't know what to do. But, though to this day I'm still not sure if it was out of compassion, guilt, or abject fear, in the end I nervously agreed to give the man a ride. Of course, as he got into my car and I pulled out of the parking lot to get back on the road, it was white-knuckle all the way. And when I asked the man where he needed to go, he he just sort of grunted, which provided me no comfort whatsoever. It's at this point that my mind is starting to create all sorts of horrible scenarios drawn from a hundred bad movies. I was absolutely sure that at any moment, Scraggly Man was going to pull a gun, steal my car, or worse— I was done for, I knew it. This was surely going to be the last day of the rest of my life. But I just kept driving, terrified, and saying absolutely nothing. Well, finally, my passenger broke the silence. So what do you do for a living, he asked. A little surprised at the question, I answered nervously, I'm a minister. And then this huge man heaves this incredible sigh of relief like the weight of the world had suddenly been lifted up off his shoulders and he says, "'Oh, thank God! "'Pastor, you know, I don't mind telling you I was pretty nervous. "'You just don't know these days what kind of people are going to pick you up.'" Turns out he was as scared of me, me, as I was of him. And you had to laugh. But I also have to say I felt a little ashamed. Do you know that this man wrote me a letter a week later, thanking me for my great kindness and praising God that I happened on that rest stop when I did? When the truth of it was that is instead of having compassion for he and his wife and his children stuck out there on a frigid May night, I was fearing the worst. And mostly because of the way the man looked. Oh, yes, I'd done the right thing. Good for me. But what I realized that night is that rather than being the good Samaritan in Jesus' parable, in a heartbeat, I could have just as easily taken the root of the priest and the Levite and passed by on the other side. Friends, it's a sad commentary on our times that the level of compassion we show to others is so often metered and compromised out of our fear. Granted, it is a dangerous world we live in, and out of necessity we've had to toughen up with the times. But the cost of that has been that all too often we've risked becoming distrustful, cynical, and suspicious of the motives of others. Thanks be to God that there are still those out there whose compassion springs forth out of faith. People who are not afraid to take the risks to care. People who do not measure the worthiness of those receiving their kindness, nor calculate the liabilities involved in intervention. People who respond simply because something needs to be done. They give of themselves not because they have to do it, because they have to do it. When you come right down to it, it's that kind of an attitude and moreover that kind of a life that's at the heart of the Christian faith. Which is, of course, ultimately what that very familiar but often misunderstood parable of the Good Samaritan is all about. These days, you see, we tend to read that particular parable of the Good Samaritan as a feel-good, inspirational, chicken-soup-of-the-soul kind of story. The quintessential warm and fuzzy fable from the Bible. Even the name Good Samaritan has become synonymous with anyone who does good deeds. What we need to remember, though, is that this particular story comes in response to a very serious question that was posed to Jesus by a lawyer and religious scholar, we're told, seeking to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? (laughs) And remember also that when Jesus answered that eternal life, was about loving God and loving neighbor, looking for a loophole, immediately the lawyer asks, and who is my neighbor? Needless to say, that story about a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan was not exactly what he expected or wanted for an answer. You see, what the lawyer didn't understand is the same thing that you and I so often fail to grasp. That loving one's neighbor is not so much about who they are, but rather about who we are in the sight of God. True compassion, you see, is extravagant by its nature. It's costly because it allows for interruption. It involves some risk-taking. It assumes that one is going to see, to hear, to touch, and maybe even surrender. Real compassion, the kind that simultaneously loves God and loves neighbor, involves the giving of our whole selves to those in need. This was precisely the kind of discipleship that was demonstrated by, irony of ironies, the lowly Samaritan. And in a worldly culture in which fear and ignorance has always had the power to pull us away from one another, this is still the way of life to which Jesus calls you and me today. Now, does this mean that we should jump into potentially dangerous situations without fully knowing the consequences? No, at least not necessarily, but what it surely means is that you and I, who would be disciples of Jesus Christ, need to free ourselves of those fears within ourselves that keep us from true compassion. I ask you, how many times have you and I missed the opportunity to be that good Samaritan? Situations in which we could have offered compassion to those who we're wounded and bleeding, if not from the body, then most certainly from the soul. This happens in something as simple as offering a listening ear or, or giving a shoulder to cry on, or it can happen in taking the riskier stance of standing in solidarity with those who have been unjustly wronged or hurt. Either way, it means acting faithfully, faithfully in the midst of these opportunities that arise before us to bring mercy and compassion and love to the places where we dwell. Friends, contrary to so much of what we're told in this world, so contrary to all the fear that is shared with us on a daily basis, it is never wrong or useless or weak to be kind. Compassion is nothing less than extending God's grace to a hurting world, And you and I cannot ever let an opportunity to do that go by. (laughs) Who knows? Maybe there's someone right now who, upon encountering you in their moment of need, will be moved to breathe a huge sigh of relief and say to the heavens, Thank God. And that's it for this episode of Love to Tell the Story. I'm Michael Lowry, and I thank you for listening today. And until next time, be safe, stay well, and may God bless you with a great day every day. We'll talk to you soon.